Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. So friends, there's a great tradition in seminary where they say, don't tell people how you prepare your sermons, and I'm going to do exactly that today. That sitting down for All Saints multiple times throughout the course of the week and just struggling to find words to encapsulate what it is that we have experienced together. And I was reminded that there's a tradition of the prophets, and and once I remembered this, it really felt close to my soul. There's a tradition that the prophets when they lament or mourn, would often go and just sit in the dust and cover themselves in sackcloth and ashes and just simply sit. They had precious little to say. Was they, they simply wore their emotions rather than speaking them. And that is how I felt this entire week, thinking about how in the world we would observe All Saints Sunday. Because it is a year defined by death in a way that we have never experienced before. It is not to say that we have not experienced death. It is not to say that we have not experienced death collectively as a nation and as a world. We certainly have. But it always felt like there was some greater purpose at times to that suffering. I mean, we can go back to World War II and say, yes, we've suffered dearly. We've experienced death. But it was in the interest of defeating fascism in, this, in the world. Other times we've said, yes, we've experienced this death, but it has brought us together in some powerful and remarkable way. This seems to me in so many ways to be a year defined in so many ways by what we might term senseless suffering. Over 230,000 of our countrymen are dead because of a virus. In our own congregation, I feel a particular burden for you all who have felt the burden of death both in the passing of the young far too early and the death of our dear saints leaving a void in sort of our understanding of the world and how we function in it. And even if we take all the actual death and set it aside, our year has been defined by things that have the distinct odor or whiff of death. Little death that you might say that press us down and make us feel like things are coming apart. We have experienced in untold ways racism, classism, deep divisions in our nation that feel unresolvable. And the one place that we go to to find some semblance of mercy, comfort, and relief, this place that we call the church and however we experience it, even Sunday by Sunday, there's this little tiny air of death because it's not... It's not what we're used to. It's not what, we're, it's not what feels normal to us. Regardless of whether you would come back or not, the weight of not being here is legitimate. As if a source of our life, a source of the thing that keeps us going has been stripped away. And so these are the things we've shared. And then I was thinking, well, I'm sure you have experienced unique ways of death that maybe aren't the most important thing in the world and yet are still death was talking to Michelle this morning, and just, just 10 days ago, in the midst of quickly rising COVID numbers all over the country and hearing about death in our, in our community and all of this, in the middle of all that, my particular family had to say goodbye to our final two butcher hogs. 
little George and Newman are t- that, that we will always tell stories about. And when we have to ship those last hogs off, it is one of the two or three worst days of our year. And I just didn't need that extra reminder of death in the middle of a week of funerals, in the middle of a week of death. That was another experience of our death. I'm sure you have your own stories, but in our own ways, we are just enveloped in death. So the question for us this morning, and we'll make this point quickly, What does it look like to be the people of Jesus, walking in the way of Jesus, in the valley of the shadow of death? That no longer feels like a metaphor. It feels like an apt description of reality. Yes, we're accustomed to asking this question time to time, but there is a special urgency, my friends, to this question now. And as much as we are feeling it, as much as we are feeling this question in our bones, It's not just us. The world is looking back at us, the church, saying, well, what do you have to say now? You who proclaim this God of life, what are you going to say in the middle of all this? So for our own souls and for our witness to the world, we need, like the prophets, to sit with this question. What is the gospel in this moment? I don't know how you'll work through that. I can only share how I'm working through it right now because it feels so real to me. As I work through it in my own soul, because I don't know if this is the case, I do believe this is the case, I believe that it is not the church's job to proclaim immortality, which sometimes we do. The notion that there is no death, that sickness would all just go away if we had enough faith. All these things. We do not proclaim immortality as if Jesus, if we just walk the right way, that all of this bad stuff will go away. That death is a chink in the armor of the gospel. It is not. And the church at its best has never proclaimed immortality. Because we don't proclaim immortality. We proclaim resurrection. Death is not, not a chink in the armor of the gospel. It is the doorway to the gospel. That through death, we discover abundant life. And if we look at it this way, this is the way I believe. If we look at it in this way, then we find ourselves in excellent company. Because that dark cloud that we're all feeling right now, in fact, Jesus' entire life, the entire gospel story unfolds with this same cloud all around it. Jesus, time and time again, is saying, I'm going to die, guys, I'm going to die. And everybody's like, no, you're not, stop it. And he's like, no, really, I'm going to die. All the while, he's surrounded by people who are sick and suffering, hungry and rejected. Jesus' entire world was surrounded and and. They didn't have, I mean, of course you know, no modern medical technology. There was a government that was particularly oppressive. I mean, death was just, a, just, death was just how life worked. And if you listen carefully to these Beatitudes, which we read, which I suggest are Jesus' most critical and most core teaching, we hear the echoes of, yes, there is death, but let me show you how there's going to be life on the other side. To use a more modern or contemporary translation, blessed are those who mourn. Not those who whimper, but those who raise their voices. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, recognizing there is lots of little deaths in the world. Not those who whine, but those who struggle. Blessed are the peacemakers. Not those who shun conflict, but those who face it squarely. Blessed are those who are persecuted for justice. Not because they suffer, but because they love. 
it's almost, almost as if, friends, as if the gospel flourishes most in the darkest places of death. It makes absolutely no sense, none, in the way that we are used to experiencing the world. But the Apostle John says this in his first letter. He says, the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Of course it's not going to make sense. It doesn't make sense when a whole world wants to proclaim immortality that we keep saying, nah, yo, resurrection. But the most fundamental thing about the gospel is that through death, life will be discovered. Friends, in the midst of everything we're going through, we might just very well be in the most pregnant moment that we have experienced in a generation. The most pregnant opportunity we have to reconnect with the deepest understanding of our faith. Again, not immortality, but resurrection. Our most pregnant moment to have a good word for the world and for one another. Our most abundant opportunity to show love and affection as we walk day by day, not trying to solve one another's problems, but simply being present in those times for one another. Our most abundant opportunity to say to the world, let us love one another and to do all that we can within the limitations that we find to show that very love to each other. And so to you, my friends, whatever you're bringing to this observance today, whether the specter of death is fresh and present to you as it is to me on this day, or whether you simply feel this, this fog of unknowing around you, where is God yet proclaiming us to walk through that and to find life? What life is ready to break out in the middle of your life, in the midst of the death that you are experiencing? Because it's there, or at least we have to believe it's there, because that's the gospel we've been given. Jesus says, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it, 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 it will produce nothing. Jesus lives that in his life when he says, I'm going to lay my life down, but when I am raised up, I'm going to raise you all with me. So even as we mourn, we have not lost the gospel. In fact, we may very well be discovering it in new and abundant ways. Let us be open to that idea. Let us be aware that the Holy Spirit is still working as we sit in this moment of death and yet proclaim the life that Jesus comes to give. Amen. Amen.